Hello, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to our podcast. It's about payroll. We're your hosts, Brian Escobar and Walter William Duncan III. Whether you're new to the payroll industry or a seasoned vet, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back, folks. This is Payroll 101. We're going to give you enough to be dangerous. We want to give the new payroll professional and those managers that are responsible for payroll some tools so that they can approach the process with some knowledge, right? Payroll goes beyond just pressing buttons and processing data. We also become the keepers of that data. So learning how to do some audits in payroll that you need to know will be valuable to the new payroll professional or the manager that is responsible for payroll. So my first topic will be today, 1099 versus W-2. 1099 is a vendor contractor relationship. Usually the folks that you're getting your supplies from or you're paying for services from. You could also have in-house consultants that are 1099 or project managers, commission salespeople also have a exception to be 1099 because they're not solely directed. And that meaning solely directed, we transition over to the W-2 part. W-2 employees are directed by their supervisor, meaning their supervisor lays out what they should be doing. They dictate hours. The key being that their actions are directed by a supervisor, and that will easily qualify as, a, as an employee as opposed to a 1099 contractor. One of the key things that we want to look for when we're dealing with 1099 and W-2 employees as a payroll pro, we should be looking out for the misclassing. Often you'll have partners that will ask for a new setup or for you to advise on how an employee should be paid. And if you listen to the keywords that they're mentioning during the conversation, you may realize that this relationship is really not an employee. It could be a contractor. And you would want to advise them, say, hey, this sounds like a contractor position. Maybe we need to just review the compliance of it all to make sure we're classing this employee or this relationship properly, really, because you don't know if it's an employee yet or a 1099. Thank you, Brian, for discussing 1099s and W-2s. In this section of Payroll 101, I'm going to continue on with discussing exempt versus non-exempt employees. There's some key factors that you could do to determine whether an employee should be exempt or non-exempt. You can go to flsa.com or dol.gov to find out exactly what some of the protections are for the non-exempt employees. LSA has three basic tests you can perform to determine whether an employee should be classified as exempt or non-exempt. The first one is the salary level test. That level test is anybody that earns more than $684 per week. They can qualify to be considered exempt. You want to make sure that you read that language in the FLSA where it says that it qualifies them to be categorized as exempt if they make $684 per week or more. The second test is the salary basis test. This basically guarantees an employee to receive a minimum compensation regardless of the time actually worked. And the last test is the duties test. So when I say duties, that's 
requirements that they do as part of their job duties to be considered exempt. So the FLSA identify what some of these duties are. And as long as the employee meets one or two of these conditions, they should be categorized as, as exempt. So the first is the exempt executive duties. This is when the employee supervises two or more other employees as part of their regular job. The next one is the exempt professional's duties. This is when an employee performs intellectual activities, which may require specialized education, bachelor's, master's, associates, certifications, whatever is deemed necessary, and the use of discretion or judgment. And the last one is the exempt administrative duties. The employee performs support operations that that are significant and they require the use of discretion and judgment in those situations as well. So those are the three duties tests that you should use to, to see if an employee qualifies or should be categorized as an exempt employee. Okay. So those are the main differences between exempt and non-exempt. As a payroll professional, we want to look out for any misclassifications when it comes to exempt employees versus non-exempt employees, meaning that we should audit on the following data points, hourly or salary flags in the system, meaning that if a person is hourly or salary, we should be able to run a report and find that data. That's one of the things that we want to be sure that we look at. Also, one of the things that we want to look at is job titles. If you see a job title in the system as you're running reports and that job title is typically salaried or typically hourly, but it's coded incorrectly, that's one of the things you want to highlight and forward to your HR team member. If you're in HR yourself and you have the capability of updating that, you want to make sure that you do that, but relay that information to the necessary parties. The FLSA, the Fair Labor Standards Act, defines and lays out what non-exempt employees' rights are and what they're entitled to in regards to overtime pay. It lays out, it says, it, it generalizes it, it says that 40 hours per week, any time that's worked above that is the non-exempt employee is entitled to be paid time and a half for their time worked. So there are some other states that have different legislation and rules around OT. California, for example, pays on overtime on a daily basis. So if you go over eight hours in a day, you're eligible for overtime pay for that day. Okay. So you want to look at your state's legislations, your state's rules, and find out that for yourself to make sure that you're compliant in regards to your non-exempt and exempt employees. So one of the things you will also want to look at is the type of employees that you have labeled as exempt. So often executive, managerial, professional, and outside sales position are often those categories rather of employment that are paid salary and they're exempt from overtime. So again, this is one of the things that you want to audit if you're capable of it. So another great source, as I said, is Fair Labor Standards Act, FLSA or FLISA. Some people say that, and that will give you some pretty good guidance on 
how to navigate exempt versus non-exempt. Look out for employees who are asking for overtime. So you want to be sure that the employees that are asking for overtime are entitled to it. You want to look out for any part-time salary employees. It is possible that may happen, but you want to flag that and bring that to somebody's attention to make sure that you're in compliance again. So those are some of the things that you want to look out for in regards to exempt versus non-exempt employees. The other subject that I'm going to cover today with you is work week. An employee's work week is a fixed, regularly recurring period of 168 hours. And it's seven consecutive 24-hour periods. And it does not need to co coincide with a calendar week. It could begin in the middle of the week. It could begin at the end of the week. Every company has a freedom to make their own decision on what a work week is. Normally, it's Monday through Sunday. It has to be seven consecutive days or Sunday through Saturday or Saturday to Friday. So it, whatever it is, it's seven consecutive days. And the big call out there is that it should be documented somewhere in your system or in your policies. If you pay biweekly or semi-monthly, it may not reflect that way in your system. You're going to see a pay period which is two work weeks together, okay? A pay period is two work weeks or can be one, but it's whatever your company has defined as your pay period. Could be equivalent to the work week or could be equivalent to two work weeks. Some places, once upon a time, paid monthly and usually happens in education. Whatever the company decides to define your work week as or their pay period as, you want to understand that, okay? Your system is going to have a pay period, and that pay period could be a work week or it could be two work weeks usually, whether it be semi-monthly or bi-weekly. So you want to understand how that's defined. If your employees question their work week or a day that they've missed or usually comes into play when overtime is a question. And if you don't understand what your work week is, you can't clarify to your employees, hey, that day that you worked was the beginning of a new pay period and was not part of this paycheck. Or they could have called something out that you need to investigate. Trust, but verify. And this is important because one, you want to be able to explain to the employee very clearly and transparent what the error might be or what the, what happened in their payroll, or they could have discovered a glitch of some sort or an error that we honestly made. So I, either way, you want to be diligent about validating the employees' claims, especially new employees on their first check. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. It's about payroll. We're your hosts, Brian Escobar and William Duncan. And until the next time, folks, keep learning, keep growing, and most importantly, keep going.